Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In My Body podcast. This is Yokes. Thank you so much for choosing to tune in again, and this is our fourth episode. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to share with you a little bit about what to expect. So recently, we finished recording this episode with our very first guest on the show, Diana Ng from the Elemental Practice. Diana is a very dear friend and mentor and guide for me. And wow, when we had her on the show the other day, the conversation was so rich. And we went on for so long. By the end of it, we realized that it was a two-hour recording. And so we decided to split it into three parts. And today, you're going to have first dips into the first part, where we begin our conversations seemingly very innocent on facial expression. And from there, we actually went on talking about emotions we talked about the link between emotions and our nervous system, including our fight, flight, and freeze responses to stress. And how all of this actually relate to trauma as well. And it's really interesting because in the next few parts of this episode, um, this really huge episode, we're going to then dive into what is all the relationship between emotions, between our body, and then into intergenerational trauma here in Singapore. Just one feature, just one part of that aspect of intergenerational trauma that we were able to explore together with Diana. And Diana herself shared a lot of nuggets of wisdom based on her body-based work with her clients, as well as her very own lived experiences. So these few episodes, these few upcoming episodes are going to be rich with reflections and conversation and we love to invite you to join us in this reflection. These few episodes are also going to be full of somatic exercises and activities that you are welcome to take wherever you are. And I also want to share with you that we did this recording on a Zoom session. Diana and I, we were at her place and we were Zooming with Tammy on the other end. And unfortunately, because of the uh, Zoom platform and um, the connection that evening wasn't that great, it might sound a little funky at different points. Our apologies for that. But well, that makes this conversation even more real and more raw. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Diana. Welcome to In My Body Podcast, Episode 4. My name is Yotwen. And my name is Tammy. And today we have a very special guest in the house. And her name is... Hi everyone, I'm Diana. Yay! Welcome Diana. Thank you for being our very first guest on the podcast. Yeah, so excited to have you here. I'm very glad to be here. 
So, um, Diana, do you want to share, tell us a little bit about who you are? Oh, let me take a moment with that. Um, I guess the best way to describe me is somebody who is uh, an explorer of the body. And at this moment, the area that I'm exploring the most keenly is in the relationship between the body, the mind, and emotions mm. through the lens of bodywork. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Diana is a very, very close friend to my heart. She's not just a friend. She's a sister. She's a mentor. She's a guide. And she's someone whom I love doing funny things with. <laughs> she has deep knowledge into different modalities of body work. And she has spent a long time exploring into healing. Yeah, so very happy to be able to invite her today onto the show. And I remember the first time I met Diana, we were at an embodiment and bodywork immersion training. And I think I met you even before the training. Right? I think it was at Terra Luna Yoga yeah. Studio. And uh, this lady just came up to me, very excited. Very excited. <laughs> She's got a lot of bubbles inside her, more than I do. And she, she was jumping around and she said, Hi, are you going for this training? I'm going to be your roommate. <laughs> And then ever since then, our, our friendship blossomed from there. Mm. So thank you so much, Diana, mm. from, for being here today with us. Mm. Thank you, Diana. When both of you described Diana, an image came to my mind. So when you mentioned explorer and deep explorer, I had this image of a, a captain of a ship going into the deep seas to, to explore uh, like uncharted terrains or whatever that you are looking into right now. Mm. I love that. I have such a connection with water. Yeah, Diana has a lot of water in her elements. Okay. That yeah. just came off my mind like that. Mm. Yeah. So I was wondering, Tammy, whether we would like to... And, and Diana mentioned about her interest in, in body work in relationships and also in emotions and I think this is a, a wonderful opportunity for us to begin exploring about trauma and, and emotions as well as relationships in our lives. What do you think? Sure, let's begin. <laughs> I guess before we begin, um, would you because we have been receiving some messages from our listeners. Uh, thank you all so much for responding to our invitation and coming forward to share with us some of your reflections and um, your thoughts around some of the things that we mentioned in our past episodes. And we want to give a special shout out to a few of you. And maybe we can also pose Diana this question. So back in episode two, what makes you feel alive? Diana, what makes you feel alive? Hmm. Uh, I think for me, for me, being in relationship makes me feel alive. Like for being in relationship with nature. I think nature is a, a big one for me. Just seeing the diversity 
and the vibrancy of the kind of nature we have here in Singapore and just all the bird song. Uh, morning time is, is a time where I feel especially alive and I see and feel the sun. And I think being able to spend time with people I care about uh, is really, yeah, something that nourishes me deeply, makes me feel alive. How do you know you, you are alive in those moments, being in nature and being in the relationships that nourish you? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I think aliveness for me, I feel like a sense of continuity between myself and the other person, between myself and the trees. So I guess there's a feeling of being quite expanded. Mm -hmm. And also feeling quite open and grounded at the same time. Thanks for sharing. I do feel that congruency within you, between what you say and what you present to me. Yeah, this is what I, yeah, it's what you see is what you get. This is uh, what I sense from you. Lah. And uh, I do feel the energy of the sun radiating from you as well. So I really like to appreciate that. Oh, thank you. It's the fire working within you. <laughs> it is. Tammy, <laughs> um, would you want to share some of what the listeners said? All right. So we have a, a message from Kiko Baby. Just wanted to thank her for... Um, Penning down her reflections uh, to us. So here goes. Uh, here's what she said. Dear Tammy and Yokwen, thank you so much for starting this podcast and sharing so honestly. I have just listened to episode two and it really hit the spot on my soul, especially the points on letting go and the forming of scars in the body due to trauma. Despite going on seemingly fine with daily life on the outside, I could feel trauma weighing heavily in my heart. How does one know when he or she has truly let go? Is it when one realizes that there are days when the thoughts don't come to mind? Also, I would like to share that I think for me, feeling alive is to feel that I would genuinely love to live another day and that there is hope and meaning to wake up again, to see and be with my loved ones again, to breathe, to appreciate the trees and creatures around, and to live with gratitude. As simple and silly as it sounds, it doesn't happen every day, and sometimes, especially on bad days, it truly feels like there is nothing to live for. But looking deeper, when pain comes, it reminds me that all I want is to simply lie in bed pain-free, in peace, with my cat's butt snuggled against my face, listening to the sounds of my parents having coffee and breakfast in the living room. Mm. There's more. So it is not a grand long feeling that goes on for a long time, but rather like a moment a spark of realization when I breathe and exhale and feel like, ah, life is beautiful. I am truly blessed. 
Sometimes I feel like if I recognize such little moments and try to construct my life with lots of such little moments as I could, I would feel more alive in general. Yeah, I really appreciate this long sharing of hers. Uh, I think she really contemplate quite a bit on this and uh, took time to pen it down. Yeah, I really appreciate that effort that she made. And all the little things that she described uh, about feeling alive. Yeah, I think sometimes it's really the little, little things that make us happy or grateful for. It doesn't have to be, be much. Lah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, if you're listening right now, Kiko Baby, we love, um, we really appreciate and we love this sharing that you sent to us it when I when I read it I was deeply touched and I think just receiving your message made me feel alive. I was very grateful to hear these little moments that you choose to share with us about what makes you feel alive as well as your reflections around pain and the trauma that we carry in our bodies and that weight of that trauma and sometimes wondering when we never let go of it. So really appreciate your just reflections around that. What's landing for you, Diana, as we listen to Kiko Baby's sharing? I guess I can really relate to these like paying attention to the small moments. And I felt like I was being transported into into her house uh, and just experiencing all those little sounds and senses with her. And I guess related to the question, it just makes me think that um, perhaps perhaps aliveness is in our observation. Mm. Um, you know, aliveness is here all the time. It's just whether we we notice it um, in these very small but big ways yeah yeah man as i'm with diana here in one space i'm also noticing your your touch your hands you know placing on your neck and your chest area as you were sharing about feeling transported to pico's house and i think in that moment as i was watching you i feel alive (laughs) Uh, and I know that, Diana, you do quite a lot of these um, little episodes uh, you call Mellow Minute. Mellow Minute. Would you want to share with the listeners what's that about? Because I feel like every time I watch these little snippets and I follow, um, I follow along what you share, I, I feel this, there's this sense of pulsation mm-hmm. or, or just... I can feel my blood pulsing through different parts of my body, depending on what exercise you introduce us that mm-hmm. day. Yeah, so would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about your Mellow Minute? Hearing your description of it, I don't know whether I should change the name. It doesn't sound very mellow. <laughs> <laughs> mellow pulsations. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the Mellow Minutes is something I started on online on, on my Instagram page just more as a response of wanting to do something uh, once once 
the pandemic started and you know just wondering what is something that felt authentic for me that I could share that might be useful to people and one of the things that I I noticed when I'm working with clients because I really like to offer clients some self-help some self-care they can take with them even after a session and this is so important for people to feel empowered empowered to manage, actually more than manage, empowered to really support their own bodies uh, where maybe they might have believed they were not able to. And a big part of what makes that feel possible is the time limit of it. You know, people tend to be very, very busy. And so hence, one minute, 60 seconds, I think is doable. And each of these um, explore techniques that I, I might do myself, ones that I offer clients. And it's just a minute where we use our body, maybe we use sound to, to regulate the nervous system, maybe to allow a little pause where expression is welcome, expression of our voice or expression of our face, where maybe we might not um, be given that kind of permission in the spaces we inhabit mm. yeah and one of the things I've loved from that is hearing from moms mm. who say like they have no time mm. and it's so nice for them to just see uh, to see these short videos and to be able to follow along with them while their baby's asleep because there's also uh, closed captions so they just follow along while they're holding their baby and like that that puts such a smile on my face when I heard that yeah. Yeah, I like what you said. Uh, as you were sharing, I was sitting with the statement that you have made earlier, that being alive or feeling alive, maybe it's about observing. Yeah, I think for myself, I also do not, I've been very busy recently and I also forgot to take notice. Yeah, like even taking notice of my own feelings uh, how that shows up on my face. Yeah, my husband said to me recently that I kept sighing. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's my way of letting go of the energy, the negative energy that is within me. But I guess I didn't notice that how this has impacted uh, him. So I'm wondering, Diana. <laughs> Would there be an element of your mellow minute that you feel like could be suitable for us to practice in this moment right now? Mm. And having Tammy also just shared that recently she's been very busy defining herself having to sigh to let out some of the tension maybe. Yeah. Yeah, in her work. Mm. It doesn't have to be a full minute. Mm-hmm. So maybe just a... a a taste, a teaser of that mellow minute. Sure. Yeah. What 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 do you think would be suitable for all three of us to try right now, as well as the listeners who are tuning in right now, wherever they are, it might be morning, it might be afternoon, it might be evening. Yeah, actually I have to say I love sighing as one of this <laughs> one of the regulating <laughs> things that I do for myself. And I also actively invite clients to do because it feels so good and it, really supports um, the vagus nerve. 
but something that I feel would be fun to do, especially for us because we can see each other on video, <laughs> is uh, I, I love to invite people to uh, make three silly faces, right? <laughs> and it's like the sillier, the better. The more of your face you can engage, the better. Okay, and, and maybe I can just count us in so that we can do them all together and just keep keep your eyes open so that we can see each other for this. And if you're listening in, you might even want to stand in front of a mirror and just, you know, enjoy the silliest faces that you can make. Okay, Are your faces ready? So is it like we take selfie like that? Kind of, but like extreme <laughs> selfies. Not extreme selfie, <laughs> okay. Okay. okay, so on the count of three, two, one. First silly face. Okay. Oh, wow. those are good. All of us had, um, we, we did something with our mouth. And our eyes. And I can't eyes. see. I can't <laughs> see myself. Can you close your eyes? But yeah, all three, three of us had some, like we did something with our mouths. And then what did you do with your eyes? I, I looked up. I looked up too. <laughs> And well, if you have chemistry. Mm -hmm. And maybe for the second one, uh, the invitation is uh, to allow or invite other parts of your face that didn't get much of a, a stretch in that first cheek. How okay. do I stretch my ears? Okay, let me think about you this. Other parts of, to help you, you can I pull can your ears. Yeah. Ah, I was wondering how you're going to stretch your ears without your hands. <laughs> By smiling really wide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one, go. Using parts of your face you hadn't used before. Just really giving all those facial muscles an opportunity to engage. Releasing. Interesting. I find myself um doing something with my mouth again. Mm. It almost feels like my the muscles around my my lips and and my jaw needed like a stretch, mm. like really needed a stretch. Mm. Yeah, I I I feel like a lot, like it that sensation of loosening after I've done it twice now. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I love that. I think the nice thing about inviting something spontaneous is that firstly it's quite fun. But secondly, we might be surprised at like what you're saying, Yoke, mm -hmm. about where it is that our body just naturally draws our attention to. Right? And that being a place that might be wanting some support to release. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was struggling to... I think maybe I don't work with my face that much. Mm -hmm. So perhaps I was struggling to find a silly face for mm -hmm. myself. Mm. Yeah, thanks for thanks for mentioning that. I think this is exactly why using the face can be really helpful. Uh, we we might be using our eyes a lot, but we might not really engage the rest of our face so much. And I feel especially well, this is a generalization, but in my lived experience, uh, demonstrating expressions of emotion isn't very welcome here in Singapore that's been my experience growing up in the workplace at home you know there's like a range of permissible expressions to be like a good girl and uh 
and I feel actually there's there's so much that lands up getting held in our face and and this is where our social engagement system directly connects in with so if our face is tight then we're also not going to be very much in a space of wanting to engage with another person and maybe before we move into the last kind of facial expression maybe we could just take a moment to use our hands to meet our own faces so just starting by letting your fingertips gently touch your forehead you might like to make little circles or just gentle strokes maybe over your eyebrows, perhaps over your closed eyelids, out to your temples, your nose, the bridge of your nose, maybe over your cheekbones, across your cheeks, down your jaw to your chin, and maybe above and below the mouth. Just using our own touch as a way to bring awareness to our face. Maybe as you're touching your face right now, you might notice some areas feel a little sore or maybe a little tight. And without any pressure at all to engage these places in the third silly face we're going to make together, having the awareness that these are areas that are feeling a little tender in this moment. So when you're ready, on the count of three, two, one, it's our final silly face. <laughs> I love that we can see this on video. All of us did something funny with our mouth. Right. We all did this like pursing with our mouth. Um, so anyway, thank you for indulging me. This was really fun to do together. Thank you for introducing us to this exercise. And if you're, if you're tuning in and you joined in, we invite you to try it with somebody you, you feel playful with. Yeah, and I, I think the burst of laughter after we come into our expression and that moment when we see each other's expression and then we burst out laughing. That's just a really beautiful relief as well, mm. isn't it? Yeah. So if you're tuning in, you know, if you have someone with you whom you like to be playful with, um, invite them to join in with you to try out this exercise together. Yeah, you might feel the same way or have your own reflections about yeah, how you feel playing with your face. Yeah, so just now, Diana, you were sharing, I, I think two things uh, jumped out at me as uh, you were talking about this exercise and how it's helpful for us to regulate our nervous system. You mentioned how our face is so important as a part of our social engagement system. And then the other thing you mentioned was about how um, in your lived experience, um, holding in your emotions mm. and not having that opportunity or not having the avenues or not having the permissions mm -hmm. to express the, your emotions, especially on your face. So as you were sharing that, what came to my mind was how um, after I left 
my work as a social worker for about nine years, I noticed that I had perpetual frowns on my face every mm. time I look into the mirror. And even now, when I look into the mirror, I could see like lines just right above um, the edge of my eyebrows. And I, I wonder whether they were, they carried memories uh, of the past experiences where I might be just frowning day in and day out, 24-7. And I also remember how I had a lot of jaw problems. Uh, so I, I clenched my jaw a lot. Like that's my, that's my stress response. That's one of my number one stress response. And um, I also found, I also just subconsciously finding myself clenching my jaw or finding my jaw very tight. Uh, just after I left my work, um, very stressful work for nine years. And so I'm even wondering, you know, as you were inviting us to do this exercise, whether there is a significant um, role that my mouth and my jaw plays, uh, whether it is in activating me to a stressful, uh, I mean, to a stress response in responding to my stress or regulating regulating myself back to, into a state of presence, back into the state of aliveness, back into the state of groundedness. So I think I just said a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, just a stream of thoughts came to my mind. But yeah, I, could you share with us a little bit more about this social engagement system? Um, what is that about when it comes to our nervous system as well as um, perhaps sharing with us a little bit more about your lived experience with emotions and also facial expression. Mm. Wow, there's so much to unpack here. Uh, maybe I'll just start with what you were saying because that really struck me about, you know, does the tightening in the jaw reflect a regulation response or is it an activation response? And I, I kind of love that you named both because I think what lands up happening is it sort of becomes both, but it doesn't, it isn't always helpful in the longer run. Um, one of the things I, I like to remind myself and also clients when I'm working with them is, is that we have our whole body and we have, we tend to have really habitual areas or particular body patterns that show up when we're stressed. And if our life is continuously stressful, then those areas are going to get increasingly used. And our brain is such an intelligent, has such an intelligent way of, of making things easy for us that those areas get tighter and tighter, faster and faster. So it could be a place that really helps to take on the stress. But over time, that tightness in the jaw from within the body sends signals to the brain that we're stressed. And then the loop continues. So I feel like just in that little example that you were naming, it, it's such a, it's something that so many people um, have, but maybe in different parts of their body. So I love that you brought that up. Um, when, I, when I was speaking about the social engagement system earlier, uh, perhaps it's, it's helpful to draw reference to uh, the polyvagal theory. Mm -hmm. And it's a particular model, which I know not everybody mm -hmm. resonates with, mm -hmm. 
but it's a model that posits that there are, um, I guess, three or four main states, depending on how you understand the polyvagal theory, um, and that our nervous system has it. I feel good. I'm feeling in this really comfortable place where I want to connect outside myself. And that's when we're in the ventral state. And that's when our social engagement system is switched on. And when we get stressed, that we get moved into the fight or flight space. So we're trying to either um, move away from, so avoid what is causing us stress, or we're trying to fight it to try and defeat it so we don't have to deal with it anymore. And that's the sympathetic state that we find ourselves in. And when it becomes too difficult for us to either run away from or fight, we might move into a, a freeze space. Um, and that can sometimes look like we've kind of given up fighting. And if you think about this idea of the face not really having any expression, one could liken it to being in that free space, you know? So we aren't really able to uh, connect in to that place of engagement. And in order to do so, it really helps to move through the sympathetic state, which is a state about mobilization, which requires movement in order to come back into a space where we feel connected. Yeah, I'm sure both of you know plenty about this too, so please add on. I think I really love her sharing. As uh, both of you were talking, I was also reflecting on my own experience with my face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I realized um, at times when I look back at my own passport photos, <laughs> uh, I, I feel that my eyes looked really dull mm. Mm. and in the recent years I, I tried to change the way I look in my eyes but I found that quite an effort to make uh, the reason why I wanted to change is because I think I wanted to add some life into myself la. yeah and people say that your eyes are really the buckles to your soul. Diana for giving us this mini class on fight flight freeze as well as also sharing about the polyvagal system and as uh, Tammy was sharing about her own reflections with her facial expression I was thinking about wow um, I feel like facial expression is not something that here in Singapore is given a huge priority attention mm. awareness like um if we if we take a trip down to town taking the mrt for example and if we just take notice at 
how everybody looks like, mm. you find that a lot of us wear a pretty blank expression most of the time. And I'll be that weirdo dancing to the music. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, and, and Diana, again, you know, I, I, I want to bring back to that question about your lived experience with emotions where you feel like you didn't have the opportunity or the permissions to express and how that you know remain or, or how that's carried in in your in your in your face or your explorations about yeah our facial expression mm. yeah i i actually really like that you bring in this uh, awareness that in singapore people tend to have a very blank face mm. And I've always had a very expressive face. <laughs> I didn't realize how expressive my face was until at various points, especially when I started working, mm. uh, people would, would make comments about how expressive my face was in meetings. Mm. And, and generally, those comments were not positive comments, that somehow my face had showed I had a particular... A response to what somebody was saying and the the reflections I got around that were negative around how actually you know in the meeting it's appropriate to to keep a fairly stoic face mm. you know why why is there a need to show so much expression mm. it gives people the wrong idea mm. um, so especially in the workplace I think that showed up mm. but I think growing up here in Singapore like I've 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 always been a very highly sensitive child mm. and along with that, very emotional. So I experienced my emotions quite intensely. And to be honest, I think when I was young, my parents didn't quite know what to do with me because I was, I was quite different from my older sister and that I cried so much and, and quite unabashedly cried everywhere. <laughs> Uh, it didn't matter whether I was at home or out. And the common response was like, oh, you know, shh, like, don't do that. You know, mm. people, people are watching. Oh, you know, quiet. Mm. And, and I don't think those were, I don't think those were said out of a lack of care of what I was feeling. But there was so much of concern of how this might be perceived by the outside. And, and so I think a lot of my childhood when I was in school or even when I was out with my family, there would be a tension, you know, a tension between what I might be feeling and what feels socially acceptable to display. You know, that the idea of, and it's funny, right? We use, we use the same word, like saving face and, and it's our face, right? Uh, and, and how much that, that tension would cause uh, maybe a, a buildup within myself mm. around my emotions if I didn't have an outlet for it. And I'm glad that over time I was able to found, find that outlet through movement, like another avenue of my explorations of the body, whether it was dance or yoga or qigong or active meditation. Um, all of those were ways that I could at least move some of that some of that which was accumulating inside um, but I still feel even today there's still such a, a, a stigma 
uh, around showing very clearly how you feel on your face. And even if younger people today might feel more open with their expressions, I don't know how well that sits with maybe the people they live with, like their parents or their mm -hmm. grandparents. Mm -hmm who have a very different relationship with expression. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Can you help our listeners understand this using the lens of trauma? Hmm. So I guess I, I, I kind of want to go back a little bit with your question before speaking about trauma to, I guess, speak to what, like why this is the case and I guess before I even say this I, I want to situate myself mm. as a middle-income Chinese female in Singapore um, like the generation Singaporean on one side second generation on the other and and this just happens to be I guess my experience of it mm. that my grandparents are mostly in survival mode mm. And emotions are such luxury. I don't think it's that mm. they didn't feel them, but there was no time to really be with them very much. Mm. And uh, it just wasn't really encouraged. It was seen as weakness. And I think about like my grandma and how crying is something you did privately um, and not something you let the neighbors see. Mm. And then I think with with my parents' generation, especially with men, emotions, again, was a sign of weakness because all these men didn't see their fathers cry or show any other expression. Uh, so that's been modeled to them. So there isn't really a template to go on. And with the women, again, the women have seen maybe uh, their, their parents also not showing very much emotion. And I think that generation was also quite caught up with work and with far less influences and access to information, to all of this knowledge, which I think to many people now feels so familiar. Mm. You know, people might not know something in depth around trauma or the nervous system, but it's not uh, news to somebody when that term is mentioned, perhaps. And so I think that, and then when it comes to a younger generation we we have all of this access or some of us do have this access and and i think if we just kind of look back in this way it makes so much sense that we would all respond so differently to emotions and to allowing that expression of emotions and i think what lands up happening to go back to your question when there are all of these emotions that in a home environment that's meant to be safe, where we would hope that we are accepted fully for how we are, who we are, and our expression unconditionally. And in those environments, if we feel like we cannot express ourselves fully, show our emotions, even admit to having some of these emotions present, I think that can really set up a, a very shaky sense of identity within somebody, mm. you know, of maybe constantly doubting the validity yeah. of their emotions, or maybe building such a such a wall around themselves, so that 
they don't seem like they're emotional in any way to the people who they have to continue to live with who might disregard emotions or who might dismiss their emotions so that the emotions hopefully feel safe. And I think in, in this situation, people can get really disconnected from their bodies, disconnected from their emotions. And in, in doing so, maybe also fragment part of themselves from when they were children that doesn't get fully integrated when they become adults. So I think many possibilities around what happens. Hmm. All right, there you go. That's the first 40 over minutes of conversation with Diana. And there might be a lot sitting in your body right now. Some of this may be information or reflections that you have done before. For some of us, it might be the very first time that we're listening to this. Wherever you are, we like to offer an integration practice to kind of bring together different thoughts or emotions or body sensations that may have come up for you in the last 40 minutes as you were listening in to our conversation. So this integration, the first integration practice is offered by Tammy and you're going to hear it in a moment. In the meantime, while waiting for the next few episodes to be released, you're welcome to reach out to Diana whenever you want to. Her Instagram handle is d underscore elemental underscore practice and her website is theelementalpractice.co and we will leave these information in the notes as well. And until we meet again... May you be well, may you be safe, may you find peace and ease in your body, mind and spirit. Enjoy the practice. Um, I would like to start a, a little mini campaign. I think I really connect to nature a lot. It makes me feel really calm, peaceful. And yeah, I just feel fresh and clear. It really helps me um, to find myself again. So I'm thinking, uh, but I, I lost the momentum to go to the park recently and be in nature. I think I, I have been very busy. Lah. So our chat really made me reflect on uh myself how I have been back into being in the mind quite a lot again so for me I will find time to to be in nature and I, I hope someone can join me in this <laughs> so I will post a photo of myself or nature on Instagram uh, in in my body SG and also my own personal Instagram page lah. so you're welcome to join me in this uh, endeavor and maybe take us 